Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast. You can listen weekly on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasting. You can join us live weekly on YouTube at Reimagine People TV. You can learn more about us at reimaginepeople.com. Now let's listen to this week's message. Well, this morning, um, we're going we're gonna to talk about some more things. And then next week, after Karen does her reenactment, I've got even some more things. And this is, uh, listen, when I started this, I told you guys, I had no idea where God was taking this series. I didn't know. I, when, when, when we started the year, I had one message. And then I had the next message. And then I had the next message. And then as we started to kind of get through it, I don't know, maybe when we were into like uh, weeks four, five, six, I felt like as I started to kind of plan out what does this first quarter look like as we travel through towards Easter, and God started giving me more, and, and I didn't know what was coming. I, and and maybe, maybe, maybe it's good that he did things that way so I didn't run from it. But now, now I understand where God uh, is, is taking us because in the series Anchored that, that we've been in, we've been talking about what, what it is that we can learn from the past how it is that we should be living in the present. What do we need to be aware of? And, and how do we live in the here and now? And how do we lean into the future? What, what is it that we should have our, our minds and our hearts and what frame of uh, you know, thinking should we be in as we prepare for, for the future? So as we start, let's pray and then we're going to get right into things here. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning for how very, very good you are. And all we can really ask, Holy Spirit, is that you would help us to reflect that goodness to all the people around us. That through our example, people would find Jesus. They would, they would authentically and genuinely find Jesus. That they wouldn't find a misrepresentation that still there would be the margin of error because of our humanity. But Lord, that our example would show people the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, so as we kind of get going this morning, I have a few things that, that I want to do to just, as quickly as I can, I want to add a few things to last week's message. And it's not because anybody said anything to, to me or anything like that, but I, I feel like what's happening is I'm, I'm developing a, a very, very particular passion to speak life and light into the culture of today. I'm feeling this, this thing inside me that's, that's stirring. And, and I, I personally seek to do two things. I, I want to be both informed and I also want to inform. I want to be educated, but I also want to, to educate. And I told you last week, as I closed out our message, that we, we, we can't run from our Nineveh. Well, what, what is our Nineveh? We talked about how we know the story of Jonah, right? God calls his prophet Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh that had some really bad people that needed God very badly. And Jonah didn't want to go because of how bad these people were. No, 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 God, I just, I can't. I can't, they are awful. They're so bad. They're so, so bad. I don't want to go to Nineveh, God. But we know what happened. He ran, got swallowed up, 
spent three days in, in the belly of a whale, got barfed up on the beach, had to go to Nineveh anyhow. Had to go to Nineveh anyhow. So I feel like I've kind of found my Nineveh, at least for now, or a Nineveh. And I feel this way because what I'm seeing, or at least what I feel like I'm seeing in, in the world today and the way culture is changing is I've, I feel like in me I'm kind of, there are certain things I see that this righteous anger just gets a hold of me, a righteous anger. But at the same time, I, I've, I feel this righteous anger and, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I close up because I feel scared and I feel ill-equipped to say anything. It's like I, I, I don't feel like I've got all the goods to speak and to be brave and to speak boldly. And that, that's what makes me feel like I've found my Nineveh. But I'm going to try. I'm going I'm to go into my Nineveh. And I'm going to try and I'm going to lean into the Holy Spirit for wisdom and strength. And I would, I would encourage you to do the same as you may feel like as you grow in your walk with the Lord, if you come across a Nineveh, God says, I need you to do this. And you say, oh, no, no, no. Really? That? That place? Those people? Here's what I want to add. If you remember from last week's message, and I got into some things that weren't part of my notes. We got into some conversation about uh, if you remember how Aunt Jemima was removed from uh, the branding of the, the Pearl Milling Company's famous pancake mix packaging. We talked about sports teams, how they've been made to change their names, uh, if their names contained any reference to Native uh, American heritage. And I'm going to be quick as I address just a couple more things I want to add to this because I, I believe this, that part of what we have to grapple with in this present day as we learn to minister, as we learn to minister, is that there are offenses that people will choose to take on. I'm not talking about actual offenses. I'm talking about chosen offenses. Offenses people will choose to take on. One of those offenses... And this is where I'm like, man, God, are you kidding me? You really want me to go in, into this? And, and you've got a righteous anger burning in me for this. And I feel a passion for this. So I've had to do my, my study and I've had to do my research because I feel like one of these offenses that, that we see in the world today is cultural appropriation. Maybe you've heard those terms. If you're on social media for any amount of time, and especially right now, this is Black History Month. You may, you may be seeing those terms. I believe that, that this is why we saw Aunt Jemima's face removed from pancake pack, packaging and also why sports teams are, are being told, you've got, you got to change your names. You've got to change your names. Some folks thought that great disrespect and stereotyping was taking place. That's what some folks thought. In order to be of great effect, though, and speak life and light into this topic and, and so many others. We, we need to, if we're going to begin here, let's begin by understanding what cultural appropriation is and what it is not. While cultural appropriation, there are some key words I want you to grab here, okay? While cultural appropriation 
harms marginalized communities by perpetuating stereotypes or commodifying their culture. Here's what it means to commodify. To treat something disrespectfully like everyone has a right to it. That's what it means to commodify something, okay? So while cultural appropriation harms marginalized communities by perpetuating stereotypes or commodifying their culture, cultural appreciation, trek with me, cultural appreciation, on the other hand, seeks to empower, empower and lift up these communities by recognizing their contributions. So here's the question. Here's this question that we simply need to ask ourselves, and then we're going we're gonna to move on into today's message. How do we know when a culture is being harmfully stereotyped or commodified? How do we know? And I believe that key word is harmfully. How do we know? I'm going to give you three things. These, these are my thoughts as I've done some, some study on this and when, when I look in Scripture, and remember we read from, from the book of Mark last week, and we looked at a particular incident where Jesus was correcting. He was calling out the Pharisees and the scribes. You're telling folks to do this things a certain way. You're coming at me because my disciples don't wash their hands the way you're saying they should wash their, their hands, and you take a full-on bath every time you come home from the grocery store. Remember that? But these traditions you've made are, are man-made, and you've lost all the heart of the meaning of what God's word says. And you're leading people into something else that is not the word of God. So here's what I think. This is, this is what I think how we know when a culture is harmfully being stereotyped or commodified. First thing is this, when context is lost. When context is lost. We saw that in the way Jesus handled the Pharisees and the scribes. They kept making additions to the word of God and adding two things and holding people responsible for them and shaming them when they didn't do them. Context was lost. The heart of scripture was, was being lost. Even the scribes who, who they, the scribes, remember what we talked about with the scribes is they were the ones who were writing scripture over and over. And it was so important to them, even the spacing of the letters was so important but yet the meaning of the words they were writing was lost to them. Was lost to them. So, number one, when context is lost. Second thing is this. When what is sacred is no longer treated as sacred. Remember we talked about and we just defined that word commodify. When disrespectfully we treat something like everyone just has a right to it. And the third thing is this. When profit is placed before people. Now, these are only two cases that, and again, last week it wasn't part of my notes, but it's just, it's things I've noticed. It's things I've noticed concerning Aunt Jemima, her, the, the branding of Aunt Jemima and the renaming of sports teams. Now, this is just me personally, okay? This is, these are my personal thoughts. You are free to disagree with me. My personal thoughts are this. I don't believe cultural appropriation was committed. 
And I'm explaining to you why. If I'm understanding this correctly about cultural appropriation, the intent by Pearl Milling Company and by many sports teams would have been to have caused harm through their branding. Because listen to this. An intent to actually harm and someone just feeling like something is racist is not the same thing. And I'm telling you right now, as the church, we have to be wise on this. Because we're living in a time now where tags and labels and and offenses are just being thrown out all over the place and it almost feels like no matter where you go, you're walking on glass. You don't, it's like you don't know what you're gonna say as innocent as it is and someone's gonna be like, that's racist, that's offensive. And you're just like, what? I'm just trying to buy some grapes. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Is it because they're green grapes and they're, they're, they're not red? Help me please. We have to be a people who exercise logic. And I believe that is largely where in this present day so much is wrong in how the approaches from all different angles are going. I look at certain things and I'm like, did, did any of these folks stop for a moment to be reasonable? and do adequate bona fide research before we just started saying, this is that, and that is this. Just because you and I don't like something doesn't mean ill intent has been committed against us or someone else. Now, I wasn't there when the marketing teams and the branding experts were putting their heads together But it just doesn't seem right to me to think that they would plot to harm a culture through pancake mix and syrup. I'm just saying. I would think that there would be other ways if they wanted to really hurt somebody's feelings. Let's make some pancake mix and some syrup. We're going to get them. Just doesn't seem right to me. Or by the sales of jerseys and season tickets. Oh, that's how we're going to get them. Because when I look at these things, and I'm telling you right now, I've done my research. I've done the research. What I see, and again, you're free to disagree with me. I'm fine, I'm fine with that. We don't have to argue about it. It's just this is the way I feel about it. I feel like there was more honor done There was cultural appreciation, and now we're being told, don't appreciate. And I I don't know, I don't know how to feel about that except to be righteously angry about it. You're telling me I gotta change? I didn't even go to the voting when the voting was was done, when when the school district that that our youngest daughter is in, when, when the school had to change the mascot name. And then when they narrowed it down to three, I was like, well, one of those three I really like, but I knew which one they were going to pick. And they did. (laughs) They did. Now, I should have probably went and voted because my one vote might have been worth something, but I just, you know, 
I just didn't. We can't cancel culture to fix problem areas. We can reshape them with godly values. With godly values. And that's what we talked about last week. Okay. Are we good? Everyone's okay? All right. We're going to shift now. This is message number seven that we're getting into today. And the word that I have for you this morning is this. It's called overcoming the poverty mindset. Now, some of the ways I introed this morning is going to make sense when we start talking about this. Overcoming the poverty mindset. Now, if you're already saying to yourself, I knew it, here we go. No pastor can start off the year without talking about money in some way, shape, or form. I knew the tithing message was coming. I want to just say this, if you're thinking that. Don't have a cow. Calm down. Everything's going to be okay. We're not going to talk specifically about money, per se. But what I'd like to talk about does have something to do with it, but it's larger than just talking about money because the poverty mindset is not just about money. This is your first tweetable moment. A poverty, I don't know, I feel like I just need to say that from now on. Like every, when I know that it's there, I'm just going to tell them when it's, because when, it's the ones I want them to write down. A poverty mindset is a type of mindset that usurps money itself. And if you're like, Chris, I don't know what that means, that word, usurp. You're speaking in tongues this morning. I'm going to explain it to you. To usurp something means this. Think about it like this. To take a position of power by force. You maybe have heard uh, in terms of like working relationships, that person usurped my authority. They need to be reprimanded. Because I said we're going to do this and they did this other thing anyhow. That's probably one of the, the better examples for that word usurp. But a poverty mindset is a type of mindset that usurps money itself. Because listen, a person can have plenty of money and no debt and still function with a poverty mindset. And if you don't believe me, just ask Ebenezer Scrooge. And as soon as I said that, instantly all of you were like, oh my gosh, he is totally correct. Because that man had money. I would imagine he had no debts. He also had no friends. But his mind was bent by a poverty mindset. Let's do this. I want to I wanna have us check in on another man in Matthew chapter 25. So I want you to go there with me. We're going to start at verse 24. We're going to check on, the, on, on this man this morning who was given one bag of silver. We're going to see what Jesus had to say in this parable and to kind of just catch you up because we're going to, we're going to start right at just this, this, man, this one man's story. But where things went leading up to this, you guys probably are very familiar with this. There were three servants. They were each given a sum of money. One was given one bag of silver. One was given two bags. One was given five bags. And the master goes away. The master gave him this money. He goes away, and he has this expectation they're going to do something with what 
he gave them. Well, we know what happened. The, the guy with the five doubled it, and he's got ten. The guy with the two doubled it, and he's got four. But the guy with the one, this is what happened. Verse 24, Matthew chapter 25 says this. It says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. I can only imagine sack of, of you know, silver, dirt just falling all. Look, I dug it back up. In actuality, it's probably in worse condition than it was when it was given to him. Here you go. Verse 26, the master replied, you wicked and lazy, it doesn't even pause, just lays right into him. You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank at least I could have gotten some interest on it. I bet you this guy was probably like, oh, man. Oh, I kind of blew it there. Yep, I, I, I probably could have done that. Verse 28. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to, one, to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant, really strong words there, into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I read that, I think to myself, I'm like, you know, people who have lots of money and really great credit scores, when they take out loans or get credit cards, they get really good interest rates, right? But people who have debt, they're not handling their money wisely, they've got bad credit scores. When, when they do get approved for a loan or a credit card, usually it has a really high interest rate. And I, and I think to myself, I'm like, you know, you would think that the banks would do it the opposite way. Like the people with lots of money, they would charge them lots of interest because they've got money to pay it. And the people who have nothing, they would think, you know, we should give them loans with lower interest rates so they've got a better chance of paying this back to us. But it doesn't happen that way. You know why? Because we reap what we sow. And that principle exists in all the earth. In all the earth. I want you to just, just, just ponder that for a moment. Those who do well with what they are given, even more will be given. They will have an abundance. If you're doing really well with your money, you're going to get the good interest rates. But if you're struggling and you're not doing so well and you're not stewarding your finances to the best of your ability and, and, and you're allowing yourself to give in to, to some things that are just causing you to have debt that just mounts up and instead of you being in control of the debt, the debt is in control of you, well, that's why that new car loan has a 25% interest rate. That principle is at work. Now, a poverty mindset, which this guy with the one bag of silver, he surely had a poverty mindset. Next tweetable moment. A poverty mindset seeks to keep individuals, churches, businesses, organizations, governments, etc., trapped. 
in a frame of thought shaped around negative equity. Now, some of you might be thinking, Chris, are you trying to sell me a car this morning? I'm not trying to sell you a car. Let's talk about negative equity. It's basically depreciated value. That's kind of, I, I want you to think about it like that, depreciated value. When what is owed is greater than what something is worth. How does that fit into cultural appropriation? Or understanding how a community or group of people is defined as marginalized. Honestly, I could probably do a whole series on that. I don't feel led to right now. But as I've been studying that, and I just think to myself, who, who creates these boundary lines and gets to say, you're marginalized, and then causes a person to believe, oh my gosh, I'm marginalized. When someone begins to insert a narrative into society that says, you're behind and you'll never catch up. That narrative only has power if you choose to believe it. Please get that this morning. Because we have people that are being told, you're behind, you'll never catch up. Maybe not in those exact words, but that's what they're being told. And then they develop a frame of thought based on negative equity. They choose to believe it. What happened to Elijah? Remember we talked about Elijah and how he developed this inadequacy? That's all right. Piper needs a moment. We're going to give Piper a moment. You go, girl. I'm going to take a sip while she's... So, Elijah, remember, he's, he's 1 Kings 18... 450 prophets of Baal gets, it gets attributed to him for wiping them out. Does all this really awesome stuff when, you know, the, the prophets of Baal, the, they're, you know, Baal, because he's a false god, he couldn't perform, no miracle. And Elijah's like, well, I don't know, maybe he's relieving himself or something, you know, like maybe you got to shout louder and stuff. So Elijah builds this altar, gets it all wet, bull all cut up, and he says, God, what you and God just, you know, flashed down from heaven, consumes everything, and, and Elijah's like, my God reigns, right? Next chapter, Jezebel. And what happens to Elijah? Remember what we read? It says, he was afraid, so he ran away. Because something got spoken that caused him to believe something. I've got a few other examples. Here's one. And I, I promise you I'm not trying to sell you a vehicle this morning. But if you're interested in buying a vehicle... No, I'm just kidding. 
I'm just, I'm just messing with you. If you want to trade your vehicle that you are, you're making payments on it, let's say, and let's say your, your vehicle presently is valued at 17,000, but your, your loan that is outstanding, uh, you still owe 21,000, all right? You've got to do one of two things. You've got $4,000 of negative equity. So either you bring 4,000 with you to the dealership and you give that as a down payment, then you start a new loan. But if you can't do that, and, and for some people, because they, they're like, you know, I've got this car, I've, I've driven it two, three years, but there's this other car. I'm pretty sure they'll let me have it. And I'm paying maybe 350 a month, but now you're gonna pay 590 a month. And you do it anyhow, right? Come on, some of y'all have done it. I've done it, we've all learned mistakes from, from mistakes that we've made, right? You take on that, that new car and then you gotta roll that $4,000 into the new loan. Now your new loan starts off payment one with negative equity. It's a bad financial move, it's not in your favor. Some of us have done it, we've learned from it. The moral here is this, that this is what depreciated value looks like when there's a non-favorable gap between value and worth. This man that we read about in Matthew was given one bag of silver, but he didn't value his master. Really hear me when I say this. He was given a bag of silver, but he didn't value his Master, so to him, his master's money didn't hold any worth. He didn't do anything with it. He just simply dug it up after he buried it. Matter of fact, he got it all dirty. Gave it back. Now, like I've said, we're not talking about money today. We're talking about a frame of mind, a poverty mindset. And here's a working principle I want to give you. Value, this is another tweetable moment, value and worth should always meet head-to-head -head for the believer. For the Christian, value and worth should always meet head-to-head. -head. They should always flow together. I'm going to add this as well. Your calculation of worth and value will differ at times depending on what you're calculating it for. I'm going to give you another example. Recently, I was out to eat with someone. The bill came to $28. I tipped $10. Put both on my credit card. I get a message from Capital One a little bit later in the day. Uh, hey, Chris, did you mean to leave a tip that was 30% of the bill? Well, the bill is $28 and I tipped $10. No, they, I got a message. It was a notification from the app on my phone. Can you believe that? They're, 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 Did you mean to be generous? What the? And it said this, that, this is what it said from Capital One. That's a little higher than the average. That's because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> There's still good people on the earth, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Now, my wife, Kim, 
She was a server for a lot of years, many, many years when the kids were little. She worked at Friendly's for a long time. So I've got a soft spot for servers when we go out to eat. You'll notice if you sit at the table with me, we, we clean up the, t the plates and we stack them and put them at the end of the table, right? We wanna make sure it's easy for them because Kim did it for a lot of years. So I've got a soft spot. So I don't calculate my decision as to how much I'm gonna tip a server based solely on the quality of the service that that server gave to me, but I willingly choose to tip the server who serves me based on the value of their worth as a person. Remember what I told you last week, kingdom culture sets the tone. Now, some people might think this, it's just a tip. It's not saying anything. What? You're crazy. 30% of your bill. I want to encourage you all to try something. Next time you eat out, leave a tip that's 30 or 40%. Crush that average. Get that message from Capital One. Call them back and tell them there's still good people on this planet. Because I bet you this is going to happen. At the end of that server shift, when they're tallying their tips, because sometimes Kim would get out late, and we only had one car at the time, and there would be days I'd keep the car, and the kids and I would come out when we knew she was getting ready to be done, and we'd eat at Friendly's, and then we'd sit and wait while they're closing up, and she's got a stack of receipts, and she's tallying up everything. I'm telling you right now, you tip 30 40%. When that server's tallying up their tips, they're going to come across your bill, and they're going to remember you. They're going to remember you who gave that really high. Man, they only, the bill was only $28. They left me $10. That's really high. And the thoughts that they think of you when those thoughts reach heaven. Are you hearing me? When those thoughts reach heaven will bring back blessing because it's like sweet aroma coming up to God. That's my child. That's my child. But the opposite is also true. I hope none of y'all are stingy because this might sting. Because if you cheat out your server and you pinch those pennies, let's say your server didn't quite do a good job or you know something didn't go quite right and you barely gave them anything. You, you barked at giving them even 10%. Or maybe you gave them nothing. When they sit at the end of their shift and they're going through those receipts and tallying up their tips and they come across your bill, that son of a, you fill in the blank. And then when those thoughts reach heaven and hit your father's Years. Is that honoring God? Is that honoring God? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Because you know, that server might be a single mom. She's doing her best. She's putting in the work for her babies at home. He or, or she, they just might have a bad day. Can we just let them have a bad day? Just let them have a bad day. Sometimes it's not their fault, and it's the cook. 
the cook screwed up your order. Should the server have to pay the penalty for that? No. I tell you what, I don't do this all the time, but, but, but I do do this. If I'm out to eat and it's not a huge mistake, I said, know this, and it comes out and it's on there anyhow, or different food, I didn't even order that, I just eat it anyhow. Whatever, and I pay for it, I don't care. I don't even say nothing. Why? It, it, it didn't, I still got both my legs. I still got all my clothes. <laughs> right? It's not the end of the world. You want to know something that just sets flames to a poverty mindset? Just gets it. Oh, entitlement. Entitlement. Because we are supposed to be poor in spirit, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, not have a spirit of poverty. They are not the same thing. We're supposed to be poor in spirit, not have a spirit of poverty. I think that qualifies as a tweetable moment. Yeah. To be poor in spirit means to have humility. And the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Who could tell me where that's from? Come on, you guys. Matthew chapter what? Five. <laughs> I'm giving you the answer. The Beatitudes. That word Beatitude means supreme blessedness. If you've been to the Bible study, then you know what we're talking about. Right, Lizzie? That's what I'm saying. So how does a believer live a life free from the snare of entitlement? Next tweetable moment. When we choose indifference over preference. When we choose indifference over preference. When we can say things like this. You know what? I really prefer things go like this. This is my favorite. I love this. But I'm okay if for whatever reason things don't come out like that and they come out like this instead. I'm fine with it. I'm not going to be bothered by it. I, I really like this. You know what I'm saying? Like when you go out to the mall and you're dead set on, you want this exact pair of shoes, right, Val? This exact pair. You've seen them online and you're like, I know they have it at DSW. But then you get to DSW and you're like, it's not the same color. They have a different color. And you're like, oh, but I really wanted the black ones. But they have them in brown. Or blue. Or whatever other color. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> whatever. Just, you know, and, and you're like, you know what? It's cool. I love those still too. That's fine. I'm getting them anyhow. And you buy them. It's fine. When we choose indifference over preference. Now we're going to sidestep just a little bit right now. We're going to sidestep. Best dad in the universe. There's another angle to all, to all this that I want to address this morning. And it's the issue of responsibility. We're working our way down now. Because in order to overcome a poverty mindset... 
We not only need to bring the calculations of value and worth head to head, we're recapping now. We not only need to choose indifference over preference, but we also need to take responsibility. I want to ask you a trick question. Now, I asked a trick question during our Wednesday night Bible study one time, and I told everybody, I was like, guys, this is a trick question, and they still were lost. So I'm, I'm setting you up. You ready? What kind of question is this? This is a trick question. We're all clear on that, right? Okay. <sighs> Concerning the church. Not just our church. It doesn't matter what kind of church it is. It, it, it can be any church. Any church. Here's the question. Whose responsibility is it to grow the church with people, but also financially? We have pastor as an answer. Who, who agrees with pastor? Who says every member? So we've got pastor, we've got every member. It's God's responsibility. We've got God as, as, as an option. So we've got three angles. I told you guys this was a trick question. The responsibility belongs to all of us. It is our job. And I'm going to tell you why, okay? This is called shared responsibility. Now, as a, as a senior pastor, along with the church council and the treasurer, it is my job, it is our job to steward the finances. Your tithes and offerings come in, and it is our job to steward them, to make sure that we're building up, we're not getting in debt, to make sure that the things that we buy, value and worth, meets head to head. We, it's, it's our job to do, do those things, to steward the finances of the church and to steward its growth with people. But here's what we can't do by ourselves. Me, the council, the treasurer, we cannot carry the church. Who carries the church? All of us. Of course, God working through us. If, if it was only God, we would have no need to go evangelize. We could just sit and just be like, well, you know, when God starts pouring the numbers in, we're ready for him, Lord. Until then, we're just going to sit calmly by. We're going to drink all that coffee out there, and we're just going to have a heyday. No, you got to go out and do what for souls? Work for it. You got to go serve them and meet them where they're at. You got to go to where people are. You got to bring light into darkness. Amen? That's a responsibility we all share. We all play a part. It's why... When we decided to change the name of the church, we had to do what? We had to take a vote amongst who? All the members. All the members had a say. When we decided to put the building up for sale, we had to do what again? Take a vote with all the membership. And this is why we take membership so very, very seriously because this is not just merely a church. We are not just doing church, but we are family. And the responsibility we share to reach all these people out here 
We share this responsibility to grow this church financially and grow the kingdom of God. We share the responsibility. And we are going to reach this community together. And we are going to reach the city of Utica together, both internally in how God works through us, but also by partnering with other churches and organizations. And here's how I want to close this morning. We've mentioned a few times so far this year that through our Heart for the Kingdom Fund, you've probably heard us talk about that a number of times, our Heart for the Kingdom Fund, is the, it's, it's an offering fund that we have here at the church that if you choose to give towards it, we use it for facility expenses. We use it for anything that has to do with upgrades to the building, anything that, if you think about it like a building fund, it's kind of like that, but it's, it's got a little bit more added in, into that as well. But anything that is facilities, that's what Heart for the kingdom is, is for. And, and I don't know, if, if you think, well, the, why don't our tithes and offerings do that? They, they do, but we, we also have a budget and we have bills and, and, and a monthly, you know, it fits like this and you need so much to make this happen every month and then you need extra set aside when the, the roof goes or something or something, you know, and you just, you need money set aside for the, just like you do in your own household budgets. So here we call it Heart for the Kingdom. Now we told you at the beginning of the year, that our focus this year with anything that comes in for Heart for the Kingdom is to upgrade our live streaming equipment and we have a roof loan that we wanted to pay down. Now I've talked with Isaac Ames, our tech director, and Isaac is going to be coming onto the church council in, in April uh, after Devin and Jenna get married. And then he's going to be my family member so he doesn't qualify anymore, so we got to boot him. So Devin, Devin will come off and Isaac will come on. So Isaac and I have had some conversations uh, in preparing for, for that. And Isaac shared some thoughts with me, and I agree with these thoughts that paying off the roof loan first should be the priority. Then we'll upgrade the live streaming equipment. Because after we pay off the roof loan, guess what? Our church is completely and entirely debt-free. We have no more debts at all. Now, I know that concerning our roof loan, we owe roof probably what? 12000 is probably a, a pretty accurate figure. We probably owe right, right around there, right around 12000 or so. It's not a lot of money. It was a lot of money when we first took out the loan, but we've, we pay three fifteen a month to Foursquare for the loan, and we've been working at it for a number of years now. But we owe about 12000 and then we'll, we'll be done with, with that loan. Uh, in our Heart for the Kingdom Fund, as of the present, as of today, this very moment, we got about 7000 All right? Now, there's, I have some expenditures that are still going to come out of that, so that'll come down because that fund, you know, it, it goes up, it comes down, it goes up. It just depends on what things in a month we do that we put those expenses under Heart for the Kingdom because they qualify as facilities expenses because that's what that money is there for. So you, you can do the math, right? And if you're thinking, I knew he was going to ask for money, I just knew it. Well, guess what? You're right. I was going to ask for money. <laughs> Because the roof loan was necessary to make a repair that we didn't have the funds for at the time. And this, the roof loan that we have goes years and years back. Some of you probably remember, under Pastor uh, Brad Hussan, when he was pastoring the church, there was an issue with the roof, and it was a pretty massive repair that needed to be done. So a loan had to be taken out with Foursquare to help pay for it. So Pastor Robert inherited that debt 
and now I've inherited that debt. But fortunately for me, I'm, I'm on the back end of it and it's almost paid, paid off. Okay? We, we uh, our printer in, in the office, we had a lease on that. And uh, the lease is basically up and we were offered a buyout. I told them, no, I don't like your number. And I said, here's what I'm willing to pay. And then they came back and they countered and it was only within a few hundred dollars of what I was willing to offer them. So I talked with the council. We decided to buy the printer. We own the printer now. The lease is done. We own it. Yep. So that, that's over. So the last thing we have before we are completely debt free as a church is that roof loan, about $12,000 or so. And we have money in Heart for the Kingdom. Now, we don't ever want to bleed Heart for the Kingdom completely dry. That's not wise, right? Because then what if something else happens after we paid off the roof loan and we get a leak or something, you know, and you don't have a few thousand dollars on hand to hire a contractor to take care of it. You guys know, know where I'm going with this, right? My question is this. This is, this is the only thing I'm going to ask you. I don't want anybody to feel pressured. I do want to ask this. Can we together as a church body pay off this roof loan before Christmas comes this year? Can we do that? Can I ask that of you? I, when, you when you look around the room, you think, man, Chris, look at how many people are here today. I, I get that. I get that. I'm not asking you to do something you're not capable to do or something you don't want to do. Because I, I know what the New Testament teaches us. I know what Paul teaches us in Scripture about giving. If you don't have it, don't feel pressured to give. That's okay. I understand. We've all got, many of us have tight budgets. All right? Now, there are some people that do give regularly to, to Heart for the Kingdom. Uh, it's automatic. They, they give regularly. And we've had some folks, even as of the present, who have given large gifts. Even as of the present. And I want to say this. Thank you. If that's you, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, and I know I'm speaking on behalf of the council and Ruth as well as our treasurer, thank you. Thank you very much. Those funds go to good use. They do. And there's a lot of things that we might not be able to do if it wasn't for the way folks give. So thank you. But I also want to say this. If, if, you're, if you're not able, don't feel like you're lesser than or left out. Don't feel like that. Don't receive that. That's not what I'm saying, and I don't want you to receive that this morning. We're all still one family. Let me have you stand up. We're going to close. We're done this morning. I just want to ask you this simple thing as, as we're closing out. As you're, I want you to pray. I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to pray and ask the Lord, what would you like to do through me? What would you like to do through me, Lord? And then just, just respond the, the way that you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you. I can't emphasize that enough. I don't want you to respond merely based on the fact that I'm making a presentation this morning. I'm just simply asking, can we do this together? Can, can we own the shared responsibility to pay that off, be done with it? It's To me, it's a small amount. I really believe we can do it. Listen, when, when, when Kim and I and our family came back to the church, when Pastor Robert called and said, hey, I'd like to have live worship again once the COVID lockdown restrictions lifted and we came back. That like first year, Heart for the Kingdom gifts were about the same amount 
as tithes and offerings. Now, if you looked at the numbers, if you were at the annual meeting, you would know that we had about a year or more time where not only was there a, over $100,000 in tithes and offerings, but in, in, that, in that same year span, there was about $100,000 in Heart for the Kingdom gifts that, that were given. So I have no doubt in God's capability, and I have no doubts as well that God can do miracles and amazing things through us, even if we look like a Gideon's army presently. Amen? He can. And I only want you to respond to the way the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I know I've said that a number of times, but I'm really trying to drive that home for you. Don't do it because Chris said so. And don't hear, oh, Chris is just asking for money for the church. Blah, 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 blah. Nope. Let the Holy Spirit speak. And if you hear nothing, do nothing. That's fine. But I do want to just ask you to please pray and bring it before the Lord. Just pray and bring it before the Lord. Let's, let's pray together this morning. We thank you, Lord. We know, Lord, you have called us to be poor in spirit, but not to give in or make way for or open the door for a poverty mindset to take hold of us. We know that you are more than able to do above and beyond all we could ask or think. And we thank you. Lord, I, I, I truly do believe, and I, I believe that many here, maybe all of us would agree together, that when we look around, there is a supreme blessedness that we are living in. And we don't take it for granted, Lord. We understand there are a lot of churches our size in people that don't have half of the things that we have. There are churches bigger than us that don't even own their own building. They're setting up and tearing down every week. They're renting a space. We understand, Lord. We don't take it for granted. The first thing we say as we pray and as we're closing out this morning is thank you. And help us to have hearts that are always full of gratitude and full of humility. Never prideful, never boastful, and never taking for granted all that we have. We know there are churches, there are brothers and sisters that have already gathered around the world that have churches four or five times our size, but they don't have not even an, uh, an eighth of what we have as far as equipment and lighting sound and beautiful chairs and, and things like that but they gather because they love Jesus and let that be said of reimagined church that reimagined church is all about Jesus let it be said of us Lord they are all about Jesus when 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 the name reimagined church is brought up and the people who who say that's my home church let it be said of us lord that's a people that's all about Jesus that's all i hear about that place is how much they love Jesus and because of how much they love Jesus how much they love people and how they're endeavoring into kingdom things 
They're not looking to be fancy or showy or any of these things. They're just looking to minister to people and connect people to God. If we've failed in any way in that, Lord, please forgive us this morning. If we have a poverty mindset in any way, we choose right now willingly to abandon that and to not believe the lie of the enemy, but to believe that, yes, Lord, even as a Gideon's army, you can do something really great. And as we prayed, I believe it was last week, Lord, we just simply come. We don't have all the answers, but we come and we make ourselves available. We're not gonna run from the Nineveh that you call us to. And we just say, Lord, here we are, use us. May the kingdom grow. May the kingdom advance. May lives be changed. And use us, Lord, to make that happen, we pray. In your mighty name, Jesus. Thank you for listening today. We would like you to answer a simple question for us. How would you respond to the message you just heard? You can send your comments, questions, and prayer requests to help at reimaginepeople.com. We would love to hear from you.